Welcome to your online coffee break, where we discuss bite-sized topics that inspire, educate, and entertain. Here's your host, a software innovator, award-winning marketer, and astronomy and space buff, Chuck Fields. Hello, and thanks for joining us today for your online coffee break. Today, I'd like to welcome to the show back our special guest, Dr. James Rice. Dr. Rice is the senior scientist at the Planetary Science Institute in Arizona. He's also the geology team leader on the Mars Exploration Rovers Project, which includes Spirit and Opportunity, as well as the co-investigator on the Athena Science Instruments on board these rovers. Dr. Rice is joining us today to discuss the recent landing of Mars InSight, as well as the future plans for the Mars 2020 rover and its landing site. Online Coffee Break. Welcome to the program, Dr. Rice. Well, thanks, Chuck. It's very nice being back talking to you again, and uh, a lot's happened since the last time we spoke. Yes, it has, and we last spoke in July for our uh, audience out there. It was episode 41, as the dust storms on Mars caused opportunity, unfortunately, to go silent. Can you give us an update on that? I, I know it's not the greatest news, but we'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, we, we are still at this point actively listening for it every day. And uh, unfortunately, we haven't heard anything at all yet. We've had a couple of false alarms that got us excited, but oh, really? it turns out that was the uh, Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter we were hearing in orbit, oh. you know. And uh, but it, you know, it kind of perks you up every time when you hear these things. But no, we haven't heard anything. And but the key thing to remember, I think that we didn't talk about last time that we are kind of in the middle, starting right now. Period mm-hmm. is uh, for, from from Earth time, November to like around into January. This started about a week or so ago. So it's still just kicking off. This is kind of the, the the windy season for Mars. Yes, and we know this from our past, you know, you know, fourteen plus years there. That this time of year, we're in the summer season where opportunity is right now, and uh, this period, next several months, is the winds tend to pick up, hmm. and uh, we're hoping that continues and uh, cleans any dust that may be on our solar panels that accumulated from the door, dust storm will get wiped clean and give us enough power to. Uh, get communications going and um, allow us, you know, back here on Earth to get control of the vehicle again. And another advantage we think we have is we're on the inside slope of a crater, Endeavor Crater. It's right. going down, exploring, you know, Perseverance Valley. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking that little added uh, slope may help us with some winds. So uh, we're, we're, I don't know, I'm still optimistic. I, I haven't given up on it, and I still go out and look at Mars at night and think about opportunities sitting up there and waiting to hear from it. Yes. And, it, you know, it could, it could literally happen in any day now, um, although, you know, we got to be realistic as possible. The vehicle did die back in, you know, the summer. We tend to remain on the optimistic side, and uh, we've been given the okay to keep listening for it through the end of January, and uh, we're hoping, you know, like I said, with these winds, uh, we'll, we'll get something happening. Well, see, and we'll definitely keep our fingers crossed on that. But even even with the uh, sad news about Opportunity not phoning home quite yet, it's been a great week. We've had some great news with Mars InSight landing safely on the Red Planet this week. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, landing on Mars is always exciting, and it's always history, because uh, thus far in the exploration of Mars, the United States is the only nation that has successfully land- landed landers and rovers on Mars. And uh, Mars right. InSight is a stationary lander. There's not going to be any rovers on it like we're kind of been accustomed to. Mm-hmm. It's going to do some groundbreaking, literally groundbreaking science on, <laughs> on Mars, because uh, it landed successfully. We've got a couple pictures back. Um and uh, right now, the, the vehicle is just basically getting things calibrated, doing health checks, making sure everything is ready to go. It's going to be kind of a slow developing mission. It's going to be probably two or three months 
before the instruments are set down on the surface. And one of the instruments is going to be a seismometer to listen for Mars quakes. We attempted to do this back in 1976 with the Viking 1 and 2 landers, mm -hmm. which were the only other missions that ever carry seismometers to Mars. But unfortunately, uh, one of those seismometers uh, never became uncaged. It was always locked in, it's, so it could never release the springs to listen for listen for Mars quakes. And the other one didn't didn't detect anything except maybe some wind blowing on the vehicle. Those seismometers were mounted on top of the lander. This one is going to be taken with robotic arm from the deck flight deck and placed down on the surface of Mars. So this will be the first time we've ever place a seismometer on Mars, and uh, this nominal mission for InSight is two Earth years or one Mars year. Okay, I wonder. And then we're also um, going to drill down into the subsurface. We hope to go maybe 16 feet deep. It's going to wow. depend on how rocky the subsurface is and what the material is made of, but we, we think we'll get between 10 and 16 feet depth, and then we're going to place an um, instrument called a heat probe in there, mm -hmm. and it's literally going to take the temperature of Mars, and uh, we've never done this before. And this is going to be very important for ever since I was in grad school, we've had wild estimates. Of what is the heat flow on Mars? Right. This is important because it helps us determine what the, the, what the Martian core and the mantle, what state they're in. Um, and this goes back to planetary formation and can help us uh, develop uh, better geophysical models of the development of Mars as a planet. So that's going to be very important and exciting. And Absolutely. we're also going to, there's um, an instrument on there called RISE. There's basically two big horn antennas mounted on the lander. Mm -hmm. And this is going to actually physically measure the wobble of the planet on its axis. Wow. Real okay. sensitive measurements. And that's going to give us information about is the core of Mars molten? Is it, we think it's probably like a lot of sulfur and iron in there, maybe some nickel. Mm -hmm. But we can back some of this information out by measuring the precise measurements of this wobble of the planet on its axis. Mm -hmm. And that also feeds into, you know, what the insides of the Mars are like, you know, the core and the mantle. So it's going to give us a lot of inf inside geophysical information about, you know, underneath the skin of Mars, which is really all that we've done with previous missions at this point. So there should be some really exciting results come back. And uh, I feel that it's probably going to, you know, rewrite a lot of the information about Mars evolution and formation of the planet. So it should be very exciting. Definitely a mission to watch. This is going to be exciting. And I, I love just seeing the photos come back, but it's so neat to just hear about just the, the geology that we're going to learn so much about it. Now, I do want to switch gears uh, a bit. Recently, the uh, Jezero Crater was selected mm -hmm. as the landing site for the Mars 2020 rover, which I'm really excited about. But as I understand, there were actually four workshops, nearly one each year since 2014, that's to correct. determine the landing site, and I know you were heavily involved in these. Can you tell us more about what those workshops were like? Mars 2020 landing site workshops was kind of the official title, and you're right. There were four of them. The first one started in May of 2014. That was held on the East Coast, big Washington, D.C. area. All the others have been out near JPO in Pasadena, California. Mm -hmm. But uh, these meetings would usually about three days long, and the engineers and the scientists and uh, – also, the people, uh, the principal investigators of the instruments, the payload, science instrument payload for Mars 2020 would be at these meetings. Mm -hmm. And you would, uh, you'd have people advocating different landing sites. And, uh, as you got up there and talked about your site, um, you would get grilled from the engineer for the safety <laughs> standpoint because sure. number one is safety. If you don't land safe successfully, you have no mission. Right. It doesn't matter what's there because mm -hmm. if you don't, 
they'll get on the ground in one piece. It doesn't matter if there's a dinosaur bone over there or whatever. If you can't go, if you don't land successfully and go, you have a chance to get it. And I'm joking about a dinosaur bone. That we would don't be think something, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, we, we don't, um, yeah, get this out here. We don't think there's any dinosaur bones on Mars. It's a phrase we and use. That's where they went. <laughs> a major, a major dramatic discoveries. But yes. um, so number one is getting down safely, and so that right. feeds into some engineering constraints. So the engineers will grill you on that. But really, up to that point, you're given kind of like instructions about things to avoid and zones you can land in, how rocky, how steep, how dusty. So at that point, it gives kind of some, some intricate details about engineering criteria. But most of the sites, they're kind of within the realm, but there are still some things that exceed some of the thresholds and they get eliminated. But uh, it really is about the science, though, is the primary thing, and uh, which is a kind of a, a change because in the past – landing site missions i first started on landing site selection back with mars pathfinder back in 1995 and wow yeah we landed uh, we landed in, you know in uh, july 4th 1997 but um back at those points engineering drove it engineers said here's where we can put it down and here's where you got you got you got to find good science there mm-hmm. but uh, mars 2020 it was kind of a little reversal of the process it was kind of like here's the great science sites and yes, by the way, they do fit the engineering uh, safety criteria, so can, we can get there. Mm-hmm. But uh, our landing ellipses have been shrinking over time because we're getting better and better at our landing, our yeah. navigation. Impressive. And you know, uh, you know, from Mars 2020, that little footprint is actually like a circle. It's about six and a half miles in, in diameter. And back Mars Pathfinder days, you had a landing ellipse, you know, like a cigar-shaped thing, and it was <laughs> uh, the long axis. I think was about uh, close to 200 kilometers by about 50. So we've shrunken this thing dramatically down that's amazing and our landing systems have gotten a lot better we've transitioned you know from the airbags to the sky crane mm-hmm. which you know curiosity was the first mission to use that in 2020 we'll use that also and the 2020 rover will look very similar to the uh, curiosity rover it's going to have some different science instruments but at first blush you can't really tell anything the difference by looking at them and uh Nuclear powered again, so you don't have to worry about dust and solar panels. Nice. What is the significance of the uh, Jezero crater? The last workshop, you know, we had these four sites. Uh, you know, Jezero, which was selected, it's a, it's a crater about 19 degrees north latitude, and it's about, uh, I think, about 45 kilometers diameter. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about this crater, I mean, there's a lot of craters on Mars, obviously, but the yes. interesting thing about this crater is there are some valley network channels that empty into it, and Looks like it formed a lake, and there are also some spill out, spillover channels where the lake filled up like a bathtub and spilled over hmm. and cut channels going out of the crater. So the crater filled up with water. Yes. You know, we don't see the water there today. We don't see any shorelines. But what we see there, other than these dried up channels that come in and go out of the crater, is that um, there's a delta there. You know, similar, most when you hear the word delta, you probably think of the Nile Delta or the mm-hmm. Mississippi River Delta. Well, it forms the same way. Uh, rivers erode and transport you know, rocks and sediment. And then when they enter a standing body of water, which is where this water from the channels emptying this crater, forming a lake, crater lake, the velocity slows down and the load of the the rivers or the streams drop their sediment there and they form a feature called a delta. And uh, we see a very nicely developed delta at the mouth of these channels in Jezero. So that also tells us that to form a delta, you have to have it, by definition, it forms underwater. So there's a lake there. And uh, you know, the question is, how long was the lake there, and how long did it take this delta to form? We really can't answer those questions right now. Um, we have estimates, but they're based on a lot of uh, 
you know, wide-ranging models. Uh, the Delta could have formed in as quick as maybe 20 years. Hmm, the lake fast. maybe only lasted thousands of years or could have lasted longer. We just really don't have a handhold on that. Mm-hmm. Now, if we go up there and collect these samples and eventually bring them back, which is another story, we can right. answer a lot of these questions about duration of water and depths and all these kind of things. But anyway, it's going to be exciting. We had a crater here full of water. We had a Delta that's kind of the a vestige of that landform shows us that it was a lake there. So that's the prime driver. We're going to go there and collect rock and soil samples. And the reason this site is important is the thinking is, okay, we had a lake. So was there life preserved, you know, microscopic life forms or materials preserved in this delta, which is a great place to deposit these things and preserve them. That, of course, you know, assumes that there was life on Mars at that point in time when this river, these channels were flowing, which, you know, we don't know. Exactly. Now, let me ask you this. Even though it's called Mars 2020 Rover, I heard that's just a nickname for right now. Is that correct? That's correct. I'm sure there's going to be a contest for um, school kids. I mean, that's where Spirit Opportunity Curiosity came from. Insight was named after acronyms for the, what the mission is trying to achieve. Right. The Mars lander near the North Pole um, called Phoenix. That name was kind of chosen because it rose from the ashes of Mars Polar Lander, the yes. Phoenix bird. Yes. I and Peter Smith was the PI. I worked with him on Polar Lander. And, uh, nice. So that, that was kind of thinking behind that name, which was a good name. And But I'm sure the rover's going to have a contest again. Yeah, and, and even that, though, even the 2020, I heard it might not actually launch until 2021. Is that correct, too? Well, no, the, the launch window opens in, I believe it's July 27th, 2020. Okay. And it extends into August. It's about a three three week long launch window, so it can extend into August. So we don't know what day it'll launch in there. You know, the weather down in Florida at time of year in the summertime can be uh, <laughs> yes. crazy. It's an afternoon launch. Maybe hopefully they'll track it up either early morning or night launch, maybe because the weather's more stable. But mm-hmm. um, so we'll launch it, and you know, we call it July August time frame of 2020. We do know the landing the landing date is fixed on February 18th, 2021. We're either landing or we're crashing. Okay. Now mechanics. we have the date. So, Excellent. Yeah. That's my girlfriend's birthday. So gonna, <laughs> you so, can't yeah. forget that one. <laughs> yeah, so February 18th, 2021, the 2020 rover will set down on Mars and Jezero Crater. We know that. And, no, we're uh, excited about so, that. So, uh, yeah, and that mission should be pretty exciting. Like I said, I was on a competing site, but Jezero will be it will be interesting. Um, the, 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 the assumption with Jezero is that you had – you know, microscopic organisms somewhere on Mars, they were being washed into that crater, okay? And they were buried there in the delta because the crater didn't probably exist very long for life to get started in that lake, you know? Right. One of the things, I don't want to say arguments, but discussions we got in is, you know, what if life didn't start out called a watershed? That's where all the water collected and formed these channels and washed down into the crater, mm-hmm. and all that material was eroded and formed that delta. What if there wasn't any life up there? Well, then it's not going to get washed down into the crater. And the crater didn't exist geologically significant long periods of times with a lake to allow life to evolve, you know, rise and evolve and form in there. Well, we don't think. I mean, we don't really know. We, we don't even know how life got started on Earth exactly. So that's true. <laughs> it's, a lot of, it's a lot of models and hypothesis here, but that's kind of like the, the big kind of gamble with Jezero is if it didn't want didn't wash this stuff in from kind of you know the highlands around it, well then it's not going to be there. All you're going to have is a delta with just mud and sand and gravel. We're going to learn a lot from that because, you know, there's a lake there and, there, you know, we'll learn. I'm not saying we're not going to learn a lot. We will. And if we, but the, the life thing could be a disappointment, but we're not going to know this thing. We're not going to tweet the samples back because there are no instruments 
um, biology instruments on board the, the 2020 rover. This is more to collect samples and do some analysis. But uh, the key is to get these things back on Earth. And that is a mission, as of we speak today, that's not even on the books. It's funded with any money. So, you know, you're going to land in 2021. The vehicle probably will last, you know, who knows how many years. I mean, Curiosity's still going after, um, you know, six plus years. So then um, you'll have to think about getting the money, first of all, to building and designing the sample return vehicle that will land near the wherever the rover is at that point, mm-hmm. send it out a, probably a little cash, a little fetch rover to get the samples, bring it back. And then we'll have to lift off from the surface of Mars and come back to Earth. Exciting times. <laughs> yeah, so it, you know it, it, the timeline right now, and these things can all change, but it also depends on the funding levels. But the timeline right now is the earliest these samples could be envisioned to be back on Earth, unless you know things dramatically change, but they can't. Which you know they can. But uh, looking at the way the situation would pan out right now, probably the early 2030s for these samples got back here on the ground. So it's a long time away. Or we might have a private industry come in. Hello, Elon well, Musk, and <laughs> stir up things a little true. bit quicker. That's <laughs> true. I mean, uh, maybe Musk could get, really accomplish his ambitious timeline. I say more power to him if he can do it. We will be watching <laughs> eagerly for all this. Maybe he could collect the samples and bring them back, so he could change a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, they might collect them personally. <laughs> here are the samples. Yeah, We're here so, doing research. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of things. That, you know, that, that whole arena with, you know, SpaceX and uh, – Blue Origin is kind of like who knows what could happen. I mean, it's kind of like the rules are kind of it's kind of being made up made up as we go. I mean, yeah, that's what true. would happen. What would happen? You know, just, just arm waving here. What if you know twenty twenty rover lands, collects these samples, and what if Musk says, "Hey, I'm gonna go up here and collect them." Well, if, if he collects them, are they his? Or are they NASA's? <laughs> You know, that is so true. Uh, space policy is a whole other issue. And we actually just discussed that uh, recently with Casey Dreyer of the Planetary Society because there's this great new uh, series on National Geographic about Mars. And it sort of talks about that. You know, who owns things when you're millions and millions of miles away from the Earth? So, yeah. And my, my thinking is if, it's, if it's SpaceX did collect them and bring them back, he's an American citizen. He'd probably give them to NASA to do the you know, correct analysis. But here's what you need to think about. What if another nation gets them? Say China. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is just you know it's like a science fiction story here. China gets up there, collects those samples, and you know takes them back to China and does all the analysis. What do you do? Because it's kind of like if you can go get them, it'd be the only thing not <laughs> made in China. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, I doubt that will happen. But that's just kind of stuff to kind of fun things to think about. You know, in the future. I mean, absolutely. You know, it's a lot of fertile ground for imagination. Absolutely. What, what, Dr. Rice, this is fascinating. We're just so excited about uh, Mars Insight, Mars 2020, and, and we're hoping for opportunity. Now, I understand you're incredibly busy with everything going on, but I understand that you're available for speaking engagements. How can people find out about that? The best way to contact me right now is just Google Dr. James Rice and then put NASA. That will pop up. It gives my LinkedIn profile, and it's my contact information. That sounds wonderful. Well, again, uh, Dr. Rice, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Online Coffee Break. Wow, I enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Rice. It's I think it's fascinating to see where uh, we are with Mars Insight as well as where we're going with Mars 2020. If you'd like to learn more about the uh, Mars Exploration Program, just go to mars.nasa.gov. 
I want to thank Dr. Rice for joining us today. I want to thank you for joining us today as well. If you'd like to comment on today's topic, just go to our website, onlinecoffeebreak.com, or give us a call at 317-862-4700. We'd also love it if you follow us on Instagram at onlinecoffeebreak. Also, be sure to share this episode with your friends or rate us on iTunes. Thanks so much for joining us today. See you next time. God bless.